0: Inspired by the brains behind the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference.
1: Built by the brawn of Daryl Morey and yours truly, Jessica Gelman. And
0: generously brought to you by our partners at Oracle.
1: Live from our work from home studios to yours, we proudly bring you Trash Talking, a podcast designed to debunk and demystify the use of analytics in sports. We'll point out the dangers of using trash data in decision-making. And in true baller style, We'll serve it up with good old-fashioned trash talking and invite some of our best and brightest friends in sports, business, media, and tech to join the conversation.
0: And now, at 5'8", from Kager, also known as Kraft Analytics Group and MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference co-founder, Jessica Gelman, Also, weighing in at just over 200 pounds with a full beard from the Philadelphia 76ers, and the other MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference co-founder, Daryl Morey. In our third episode, we are thrilled to welcome Sue Bird, four-time WNBA champion, four-time Olympic gold medalist, two-time NCAA champion. We'll cover basketball analytics, leveraging your platform for social justice, as well as life outside the game.
1: And arguably the best point guard ever. I mean, just to start, obviously, congrats on your fourth. WNBA championship and your recent engagement uh neither of which were especially surprising but which surprised you more
2: maybe the engagement just because it wasn't really like a planned thing she didn't have some grand plan it was literally spur the moment impromptu on vacation with friends and just did it like even the ring i have it just like came off her finger in that moment and i just kind of like wear this so no ring was purchased. So that might be more surprising.
1: That's great. She was in the moment with you.
2: Yeah. I love it. Something like I that. That was probably the yeah. alcohol, let's be honest.
1: <laughs> Perfect vacation. It's been a long year for all of us. Okay. Yeah. So obviously, Sue, we're going to talk about analytics. And I was doing a little research, not, not too much because we know you, obviously. But you had an article in the Players' Tribune in 2016 called Analyze This, it came out six months after you came to the Sloan Conference. So obviously the conference impacted you, uh, right? Okay. Um, But your big focus there was how little data at the time Mm -hmm. was being collected on women's basketball. Daryl tells me that today, there's actually a lot of data that's being collected, especially on the WNBA. So the question is effectively, Have you applied analytics to your game and has that helped you extend your career?
2: So yeah, the short answer I think is yes. Um, The longer answer is that I wish there was more that I could give you in terms of how I've been able to use analytics. I think the WNBA is still kind of in in its infancy in that way. We're still collecting the data. We're still learning about the data. And I always say, um, the most important part in this whole, I think, analytic world as it pertains to the athlete is like that translator, that person in the middle who can kind of take the information and then to be honest, and I'm speaking for myself, like dumb it down, like just make it really crystal clear what's happening. So we don't, we don't really have that yet. We're still working on it, but I was, and I think I mentioned this, um, in the, in the times I was at the conference, I played for Jenny Busek, who's now an assistant with, um, the Mavs. And she was like already on top of all of it. So the one thing that, um, that I think I've added to my game the most is just extending my range from a three point perspective, like becoming more of a threat from further out. What I find is it, it helps me get my shot often, like more often because I'm older, I'm probably not gonna create them as much so I can get them off. And obviously, as we know, threes are important. It also creates space, I think, for myself, really for my teammates. So I can always just be like this long range threat. So every workout I do, I have a a series that I go through that has like, we just call them deep threes where I'm just taking like insanely deep threes.
0: Sue, that's cool actually. So I would say James Harden uh, about seven years ago when he first came to the Rockets, um, he was shooting like 30 footers and we were like, Yeah. Keep doing that. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Like he he was like, where I guess his past coaches that said, don't do it. We're like, no, you shoot that about the same. And yeah, a lot more space for people. And, uh,
1: Sue though, it's funny because, you know, I, it's called Mori ball. Did you know that the twos and the threes? And I was telling Daryl before you got on the phone, I was like, her game has totally changed because she used to hit the gaps and do pull up J's in the lane. And so Daryl was very excited. He wants to take credit for it.
0: So let's just be clear: Bird Ball has four championships, and Mori Ball has zero. So <laughs> let's just let's just look at the scoreboard.
2: <laughs> I wasn't gonna bring it up. I wasn't gonna bring it up.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Jessica.
2: Yeah, I was like a pull-up Jays. I mean, they're still pull-up jumpers are still like my baby. You know, like I that was like I grew up. That was my thing. It's like my patented shot and I still take it. I just, I don't know. I can't always get to the spots the same. So you got to adjust. What do you it. think
0: you shoot on that, Sue?
2: <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, right, I, I know. bet when I was younger, you have to it take, was high.
0: You have to take the over under for your career on that shot above 50% okay. or below? What do you think?
2: No, nah, below, below. Oh, interesting. Yeah, well, oh, I think you're way above. Um, how many? <laughs> you think way above?
0: What is this, like, girl power night? night? What's happening?
2: Yeah, totally. We're talking, like, outside of...
0: Yeah, talking, like, 10, 12-footers, yeah, like, in that... that Oh, 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 oh.
2: Honestly, I bet as I get closer to the rim, it just starts to decrease. I think that's actually very common.
0: You know, it does go down in (laughs) that range for everybody. Can you guess why in that range, or...?
2: I mean, what I would say is, like, there's this... When you're super close, there's, like, this moment of like eh, you know like not too hard not too soft I'm so close this should go in there's almost like a different pressure
0: we need to save, That's the, for me, we I need to save the video on that one if we can um <laughs> you know we, what I'm talking about though <laughs> yeah there's a couple of reasons one is obviously people don't practice it so you'll get specialists like Tony Parker and like Juan Carlos Navarro who specialize in these like eight nine footers but most people don't take them and it's for the other reason they're hard is like, usually there's someone in the lane making it a little harder shot. Like it's more crowded in there. So, um, Daryl, yeah. What
1: is the percentage? What is the percentage though that she would need to shoot in that range for it to be justified
0: for it to be a good shot? So I to, to back up Sue's point on not there's the data is there for the w, WNBA, but people haven't analyzed it. Like people haven't mm-hmm. taken the time. And so to answer that question I'd have to know like how efficient WNBA offenses are overall. But let's just assume you're like somewhere close to like 110, you know, like uh 110 per 100% possessions, then yeah, you've got to be a good tick above 50. It depends if you're late in the clock or early. There's a lot of factors, a lot of factors, Jessica, to that. It's a very deep question. Yeah. All right. Well, I would say fifty. You got to be like mid to like fifty-three to fifty-five percent for it to be pretty Mm -hmm. good. So, do you know how many NBA players shoot above fifty percent in that zone? Like three. (laughs) So. Really? Yeah. It's really. Well,
2: what I I would be curious to look into, I would love to look into this, um, because size in the women's game is still very important. Like if if you have height. It's just something. No, there's no strength that I can combat that with. There's no. So when you're tall, it kind of trumps it all. So I'd be curious in our game if it was higher because if if you're a Brittany Griner, you, it's like you have. You're if you don't shoot in the 60s, right? It's it's. I mean, I don't want to say embarrassing, but it's kind of.
0: I do think height matters more in the women's game, just from my observation, and you know, speed is probably more like like that's why a lot of the big men and men's basketball are getting pushed out. Um, If they're not like skilled, like you're just, they're just able to accelerate and athletically go around them. So, um, whereas maybe that's not true in the women's game.
1: Well, also the amount of difference that there used to be between the big guys and the average was more significant. So it mattered more and now it's less, but I don't know if you know this, but you've been to over a third of the Sloan conferences.
0: Uh, a few years ago, you,
1: you announced you're a regular. We love that you're a regular because you always have some good, you know, coffee nap thing that you're going to drop that sends <laughs> the Twitter universe into craziness. But my favorite story, I don't know if you remember this, but we were in like the green room and uh, Michael Lewis was in there, Moneyball fame. And in my head, I'm like, he hasn't written a great book about a female president protagonist and i was like sue is a great female protagonist so in my in my head i was like i'm going to introduce sue to michael lewis and he's going to get inspired so went over and introduced you guys and then you actually had to go get on stage for a panel and you walked away and then he just turned to me and was giddy he's like oh my god i can't believe i just met sue bird he is like your number one fan so it (laughs) it was it was it was amazing to see him react like that. So I'm still holding out hope.
0: So you could get to six titles, too. So that'd be are you shooting for six, the six. the Jordan the Jordan?
2: The Jordan. Um, you know? It never crossed my mind, but now that you say it.
0: I think it would be amazing. It's
2: not it's not that ridiculous, but it's it would be it would it, it would mean a three feet and that would be that'd be difficult. Actually the most in the WNBA that anyone has is five.
0: Oh really? So oh, that can amazing. be my well, that's yeah, the Kobe. Um, five is the Kobe. Yeah. Six is the Jordan. So
2: someone has the Kobe. Yeah. Rebecca Brunson has the Kobe. Oh really? Oh, that's amazing. It's
1: it's actually just hard to keep track of all of Sue's championships though, Daryl. There's like the Olympic goals, there's the NCAA championships. so you know. are just
0: like Sue's um, hype hype woman.
1: Totally. <laughs> I'm a lot of people's head of PR. Okay. <laughs> So this is the stuff that I like to have discussions with Daryl about, and I think that you will bring some perspective because, you know, to point point out the rather obvious, Daryl did not play basketball in college. So
0: I won the intramural championship at Northwestern. Does that count?
1: (laughs) The question for you is, as a point guard, what is something you do that isn't captured in the stats? And I think like we obviously know that the W, maybe there's less information captured, but stuff that you've been like, man, this, it's not really accounting for everything that's happening.
2: So I have a big gripe with pace of play, that whole stat, the pace of the game. And I, as it relates to transition points and my team in Seattle now, so this is like a four year thing that's happening. We play really fast. I think and what our advantages over a lot of teams is we wear them down, not with physicality, which is kind of like, we actually played Vegas. So Bill Lambert the coach and he kind of clowned on us like, oh yeah, anybody can just shoot jumpers. Cause he's like, you know, he wants to throw it inside and beat you up. And it really, it actually hit me in that moment where I was like, oh wait, cause we wear you down in this whole other way. Cause we just run, we're like running, but we're cutting, we're moving. It's this whole other different kind of physicality. It has nothing to do with hitting but it's a different kind of wear you down. So usually by the fourth quarter, we're like waiting for the moment where teams are just gassed. And so as it pertains to stats, that never gets its due. Because when you talk about we're not we're never high in pace of play or however you want to say, never have, high in that.
0: You don't have the right metrics in women's basketball. So
2: Oh, I don't doubt the, that.
0: The pace the pace metrics that you like get off websites for men or women's basketball is completely wrong. So what they'll do is they'll just count possessions. They'll count the number of times each team crosses half court, which gets really skewed by offensive rebounds and th- things that don't matter at all. So what you what we generally look at is the time to how many what percentage of your possessions are you getting a shot in the first ten seconds of the shot clock? And that like that more represents like how fast you're playing basically. So, we gotta get you better stats too. I mean that's the conclusion.
2: Yeah, no, that's that's that is the conclusion. We already came to it.
0: <laughs> Jessica's very scripted and I appreciate it and everything, but one thing not on her prepared. script is the name of our name of our podcast is trash talking. And you seem like someone who might trash talk quite a bit. So I need you to trash talk Jessica live on the <laughs> podcast right now. <laughs> just just so you, just I to give you pretty some pretty things pretty to work up. with i mean i'll give you some things to work with her nickname is juice we'll okay. let her say why that is and then and no. and she's very slow and <laughs> <laughs> and she thinks so she's the, ju-
2: the juice is not loose
0: <laughs> right and she <laughs> and she thinks she's clutch. So you got all those, got all those factors. No, I was obsessed
1: work. with it. I studied it. But I actually think too that we should gang up on him what? Oh. and make fun of him. <laughs>
0: That's too easy. Because
1: you I actually, you, yeah, exa- well, I'm actually, I've actually watched your game, and I said that I think you're the most clutch player. Period. Clutch player. This doesn't sound like and trash talk. It sounds things, like
0: praise again.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm praising her. It's, it's, it's a tactic.
0: Okay. I'm right.
2: trying to flip it. Oh, I see what's happening. Okay. I see what's happening. No, but I,
1: I, did say, I, I did say this, that you are clutch, and Daryl doesn't think that a person who's clutch... No, he thinks it exists, but he doesn't think that it's, that it's valuable enough to like, look at that as a statistic or a characteristic that he has to get that person for.
0: How did you get me off her trash-talking you? I like that idea much better.
2: The trash talk will come. Okay. (laughs) I'll look for it. That's funny. (laughs) Um, That's interesting. So I actually have a friend that I talk about stats a lot with, like analytics a lot with. And it's actually two brothers. And they have a sister. And she went to Columbia and she did her like whatever paper on clutch players. And she did this, like, she was in college, so who knows what she looked at, and I have no idea. But in her, in her work, in her research, there is no clutch gene. Thank
0: but you. I, oh, I disagree.
2: Oh. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, meaning, like, there is no such thing as clutch players. I think what she found was players generally shoot the same percentage in that moment than they do whatever their percentage is. Like, it go, it's true for the clutch moments. I, f- I feel like I disagree without even doing any research on it. Well, just take yourself as a
1: sample of one. Do you play better at the end of games or end of shot clock or end of quarters? Like, yeah, I think I do. There's a different energy. Daryl doesn't know what it is because he never had to make those shots.
0: We'd have to, (laughs) we'd have to check Sue, but generally almost without fail NBA players play worse in the clutch, worse in key moments, worse in the playoffs. And like, I'll give an example of Shaquille O'Neal after he missed like a clutch free throw in a game, he said after the game famously, yeah, I missed those, but like I'm better in the fourth quarter. I'm better when the game's on the line. I'm better in the playoffs. And it turned out to be exactly the opposite. He got worse in every situation he thought he got better in. So um, we'd have to, someone's going to have to check challenge to the trash talking listeners. Is Sue bird clutch.
2: I also think it's fair to say that I just, block out the times where i miss or turned it over or whatever so that's fair i guess it's like the expectation in those moments isn't always to hit the shot so when you do hit it it feels like you hit 30 of them i can i could i could that makes sense to me from like a feeling standpoint i don't know i think i think my stats will be all right though i'll take them
0: yeah just so just to be clear jessica Mm -hmm. i it's not that clutch doesn't exist it's and you said one thing it's not but it's it's also not predictive, so like people who are clutch in some period aren't usually you can't predict that they'll be clutch in the in the future
1: well, it's actually interesting though, sue uh, when Jonathan Kraft was on earlier, he mentioned that that in doing analysis on certain players and their biometrics, not that they're at biometrics, but there are some per- people who perform better as they are get tired or more tired. I was thinking about that when you mentioned how your team plays, but I'm also wondering if the people who perform better at the end of games, even though it's not statistically no one has said that that is true, that those people, well, I don't know what it would be. Is it better, they're in better shape? Is it that they don't feel pain as much? I don't know, but I think that there's, maybe that's what your team is able to overcome. And it's like, because some of you guys are able to overcome it collectively, you're all like, well, if they're not hurting, I'm not hurting.
2: Um. Yeah. I mean, we, we, I feel like that. the quick answer is we're definitely in better shape because we practice that way. Like it's our, it's our, like part of our, who we are. Like we go out of our way to make sure. So there, it's definitely that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel like a lot of what I have to say about it isn't necessarily like something you feel. It's kind of like, like late shot clock. There's no pressure. It's like, you're not supposed to make this shot. It's, it's a three, two, one in the middle of the game. Like, you know, three, two, it's like, you just throwing it up there. Less pressure. I feel like those go in a lot of the time.
1: But what you have to understand, Sue, is that a lot of the people who are doing the stats, they haven't been like players of your caliber. So the way that you're going to see and think about things, they, they haven't yet thought to translate into stats, which is why I'm asking that particular question, because Daryl will probably steal the idea and then win an NBA championship. <laughs>
0: I feel like I'm well, in the middle of like a rivalry here. That's why it's called trash talking. <laughs> I'm
2: being trash pulled. Talking. Our our
0: our our, so our handlers said we need to like have more tension during our podcast. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so we're, Fair. So we're, so
2: do I need to like post a picture of one of you out on TMZ or something? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> the oh, juice
2: God. was hitting the streets last night.
0: <laughs> the juice the juice hit the streets a lot. When She's she was slow, younger. but clutch. I mean. <laughs> Heard, I'm like
2: so red right now. I
0: know you are like, can't we do the video version? <laughs> Sue, you've inspired so many with how you've you've used your platform. And you know what what is the what is the thing that you're most passionate about right now?
2: Um most passionate, I think getting Reverend Warnock in the Senate. Flipping Georgia blue, obviously. Obviously, Georgia's been flipped blue, yeah. But getting the the Senate, control of the Senate with those two seats, actually. Um, I think right now, like, that's where all my focus is. Like, doing a bunch of Zoom calls for him, different, like, fundraiser types, tweeting whenever I can, that kind of thing. So I'm really into that, which is what we did um, as a league this summer.
0: And for a lot of players, for a lot of players, Sue – using their platform has evolved because it's risky. I mean, I, I I ended up in the middle of some tough situations recently. The women's players ended up in, the men's players ended up in it feels like players have evolved in their thinking. Have did you start more where I think a lot of NBA players did, which is the uh you know, the prevailing attitude, which is, you know, don't reveal your position because it could hurt you with your brand off the court. Have you gone through that evolution yourself?
2: Yeah, definitely. Because I mean, I'm, I'm the oldest player in the league right now. And so my evolution has been along with the league. And sometimes I actually, I thank the younger players. Cause I have a little bit of almost like PTSD, like what it was and what you were supposed to do and supposed to be and supposed to look like and supposed to say It still like lingers a little bit. Cause we were just trained in that way. That's like, how we grew up in professional sports. But younger players aren't like that. They're like, nah, screw this. Like, nah, what about that? And, you're, and I'm like, oh, okay. And it's actually inspired me. So it's really the younger players, being around them um, has allowed me to, to find my voice even more. Because on top of it, I do know as this older player who kind of has this, you know, as Jess will tell you, all the things i won, um, I have a little, you know, I've got some credibility there. So the voice has some power, has some weight. So I, I learn from them. I'm inspired by them. But then I try to use um, the weight of my voice. In, who are, in the right who are the younger
0: players that have really stood out to you that you have taken a lot from?
2: Uh, I mean, it's a laundry list. Um, up close and personal, Neko Gumake and Chene Gumake are both on our executive committee. They're unbelievable. Um Claritin is also on our executive committee. They're just so, I don't even know, like so knowledgeable. They're They're so passionate, you name it. So when you're around them, you're just kind of absorbing. But then even younger, like Stewie, Brianna Stewart is in the mix. Asia Wilson, um, Satu Sabli, she hit the league like, boom, here I am. And this is what I have to say. And it's like, I have a ton of respect for that because I know it wasn't like that when I
0: came to the league. Do you, um, sorry, one last question on this. Do you, do you coordinate and have discussions with some of the, uh, the the NBA players, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, LeBron. Do you guys coordinate how you guys think about this?
2: Yeah. So this summer was really the first time that we like full on did some like Zoom calls. Um, Chris was actually, Chris actually was my first text. One of my first texts when um, the owner of the Atlanta Dream came out against Black Lives Matter. I was like, Hey, because obviously, you know, being a member of the Clippers, he had lived it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, hey, like, what was that like, you know? And he was wonderful, got on the phone. We talked for like, who even knows, an hour, two hours. Um, he also invited us to be on a Zoom call that they had held just for for any player who wanted to jump on to kind of talk about whatever it was that we were doing in the moment and how we could support each other. So this summer really kind of marked the start of, of those joint efforts.
0: Chris, Chris was amazing when... When he was with us and he's only done more since so uh he's pretty inspiring so
1: yeah he's great that i mean that's that's an amazing story and what you're doing and i think honestly the impact that you had in georgia and are still having is really powerful you had um the 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 face masks supporting Stacey abrams that you know and her causes and i i just know a lot of um a lot of women are really inspired by what you were doing. So thank you very much for that. I will, I want to, t- I want to tell another Sue story. Daryl, you weren't at this luncheon, <laughs> but you know, we have, of sounds like luncheon.
0: I was excluded.
2: Yeah. It's like, I think you're playing yeah, we'll chess. <laughs> <laughs> you're off getting your ass kicked in chess Guilty. by the grandmaster. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, um, but Sue basically did an opening at, last year's Women's Luncheon, and it was really fascinating because she, she shared, I mean, you can share what, what you talked about, but the, basically about kind of not having confidence during the CBA negotiation in her voice and that what she said mattered. And I think for so many women, especially young women, and as you grow in your career, you hopefully get support, that what you say matters and Sue just, I mean, what you said in terms, and the feedback that we got from people about how important it is to speak up. And then obviously the impact that you had on the, the the CBA and all of the additional revenues and salaries that you got is awesome. So Sue, you and I've talked about this a little bit. I'm going to position it a little differently, but, um, if you could buy the WNBA, meaning that you wouldn't have, the, the entanglement with the NBA in terms of some of the right. restrictions. What specific changes would you make to the league to make it more impactful? And this could be anything from like time of year. Uh, okay. It could be number of games. Anything that you think that right now you can't make the change and that you would
2: potentially think if I was starting from scratch. Um, so the, the two things that jump out and you said, one is, is the season, um, playing in the summer, I think is just tough for basketball. Actually it's, uh, Diana Tarazi's words. I'm going to steal for a second. She's always like, this is not basketball season. Like people don't think about basketball in the summer. Yeah. There's AAU and whatnot, but, and it's a time where people are trying to get out, you know, especially in a city like Seattle where it's tough in the winter months. Like people want to be outside in the summer. So I do think there is something to playing during your traditional basketball season. Um, and once you're in those months, the length of your season can, can be extended. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of just going to ignore like who we have to compete with and TV time and all that. It's like perfect world. I would definitely have it in the winter months, similar to, you know, NBA seasons, college seasons. I, th- so I think, think it's
0: be, a great point. Uh, I think it hurt the NBA that obviously because of COVID we played in a very different time period. And I'll just use the example of the MLS, for example, like most of the time when they're like, I actually like the MLS. I'll be like, wait, it's MLS season. Like, what is it? The beginning is it the end. I don't know. So like, yeah, it would be, I think you guys being in traditional basketball, I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think it would help a lot. Um, Ironically, we did well with our ratings, I think for, for multiple reasons. Um, One is we're usually in the summer. So our fans were, you know, used to that. I also think our fans kind of like know who we are, know what we represent, and they're kind of ride or die in that way. So we didn't lose anybody. I know like, and I don't actually don't think the NBA did either. I think people use that, you know, like, oh, it's because there's Black Lives Matter on the court. That's why. Maybe, you know, a fan here and there. I don't think that's the main main. But for us, if that was part of the equation, like we definitely didn't lose anybody. They already knew who what we were about you know, and if anything, I think we gained. Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, so that would be the first I would try to find talent in the positions where you truly need talent. And I would try to find a way to really keep them Mm. because I think we're, we're a stepping stone at times, everything from like, whether it's, uh, you know, as, as, as high up as, you know, well, maybe not our commissioner that, that seems to, we seem to get really good people in those roles, but you know, pretty high level positions, at times, it's, it's a stepping stone. So everything from that to like even the athletic trainer, like we just yeah. were always the stepping stone. Mm-hmm. So I think having talent in those, you know, support staff roles, and then of course, in the league office is, is huge. And when you have that talent, and then you have, I guess, like a more committed staff. So what happens with the NBA is we have, I feel like those people have to share time. And you know how it is, if you're if you have 50% of you over here, and 50% of you over there over there you can't it's too difficult to like fully dive in. And so something tells me we we generally are going to get the short end of that stick when when somebody's splitting time. So to have a fully committed staff mm-hmm. would also be I think huge for us. Well, and that's why I said buy cuz like decoupling it from
1: the MBA and having the resources and the funds to do I agree because if people are making a decision between being the athletic trainer trainer for a WNBA team, where they're being paid this, and it's only you know four months versus an MBA trainer, and it's a full year. I mean, it's very hard to compete with that. And that yeah, and that yeah. was
2: yeah. No, I was gonna say, and what's interesting is um, it's the it's the period of time. So this kind of goes back to the season. A lot of these jobs are really good jobs. They're actually really well paying, but they're only for four or five months. It's like pound for pound, that they're great jobs. Like hourly, I guess they're great jobs. It's just you're not going to be working from like October to April. So that's obviously an issue for a lot of people. Same for us. It's an issue for us as players. So that would be another reason to extend the season.
0: It's like being a teacher. You have all those months off or whatever. That probably limits your ability to earn. Unfortunately, I get it.
2: Mm -hmm. So those are just two of the probably a thousand things that I could talk about. (laughs) You have a lot, that's for sure. But those were good ones. Okay. Daryl and
1: I are very competitive, if that hasn't... Not with each other, but just we're both competitive. Okay. And um, so we've played one-on-one a few times. Uh, played. <laughs> Daryl is, what, 6'4"? Six, six, How tall are you? 6'4"? Yeah. That's, by the way, a gift.
0: Two 200-something. You
1: could just tell people.
0: 200-something. <laughs> and yeah. be hard. We won't say what.
1: I'm 5'8". I'm 5'8". So we play. Is... In my opinion, there's an unwritten rule that he cannot back me down.
2: Post up, yeah, I agree.
0: What? She oh. wants. She wants special rules for her.
2: No, it's, it's not just kind of like rule. it's like a. It's like lame. <laughs> it's just. It's just lame. <laughs> so
1: I tried to tell him that. I tried to tell him that when he was doing it in front of all of the slow students. I go, you know, you're embarrassing yourself. You can't do this.
0: I'm I'm what's called. Team you,
1: you won by the way. I'm
0: what's called winning, and if your rules don't don't say I can't do it, then I'm doing it. So it's not my fault you didn't yeah, write the rules well.
2: But... Okay, but then you got it. Like, how long are you in the paint doing this? Well, and, like, that's are, the you, thing are you wanting too. us to call three seconds? Like, what? Are, I just was There's, there's no on. three seconds. Are we going to call charges? <laughs> right. There's no three seconds. There's no three, oh, three no seconds. Second
0: down. Yeah. I got. I had three seconds called on me in a pickup game. I was like, "There's no three seconds in no. a pickup game." No,
2: that's embarrassing. Exactly. I agree. That that's another rule. Yeah, three. Seconds. You don't take charges in pickup. Exactly. Get out. Leave.
0: That, I take advantage of all that.
1: Yeah. So uh, just to speak to this, though, <laughs> we play against the students. Uh, not this year because of the pandemic, but we usually play with them um, the Wednesday night before the conference. It's gotten oh, I've heard left. I've heard. Oh, we want you. I feel you, like to play. you guys
2: are always buzzing. You guys are always buzzing at the dinner.
0: We want you to play, just just Talking so you know, so you know the level. Allison Feaster dominated, dominated everyone there. So. Gotcha. No, no, she's yeah. she's very good, but like, yeah, the, the skill level isn't very high. Is what I'm saying. Like, she was way above. <laughs> so.
1: Well, let me just say a couple things that Daryl did first. We used to play full court. Is this you know, about
0: we Sue or about me?
1: Well, it's just a fun... I just want Sue, Sue will appreciate that. Daryl changed all the rules. So now <laughs> we play three-on-three
2: three so that do we you play, can actually compete. Do you play the big three rules? Like the non-stop? Oh, yeah, the
0: big three rules. Yeah, no, oh. no half the old man rules. Like half-court. Ah, oh, you, you gotta know, check
2: it up every time. Check it
0: up every time. The big
2: the big three rules... I guess it's not even just big three anymore. It's now like 3x3 and like FIBA and all that. They have the same rules. It is hard mm. when it's non-stop. It's no joke. Oh. It's cardio. You get like that you, four you pointer.
0: You got the four pointer. Yeah,
2: so. <laughs> that's. Not, I'm working on my range. It's all in preparation for that first woman in the big three.
0: <laughs> you should do it. I bet you could. You could uh, hang. No way.
2: Those guys are yoked. You see Mike Bibby, all-time favorite player, by the way.
0: All-time I'm favorite. Like,
2: Damn, Mike. Wow. Yeah, number ten. Yeah, Mike is. Full swole-
0: he's swollen now. He's like
2: swollen. Yeah. <laughs> he's like <laughs> he's ripped.
0: He, he looks like. You know like yeah no I can't say it. Yeah he he just he's, yeah, very, he's ripped. he's, he's very shot. ripped. Yes. He looks scary. Yeah, no
2: that's my all-time faith. cuz when he was making his run at Arizona as a freshman, that was like my junior senior year of high I think it's school. It's kind of like my prime.
0: 95? Yeah, 99. Oh, 099. 95, oh, okay. Somewhere know. in there. 96. Maybe.
2: And that was like my prime. I was like anytime basketball was on you know, I was, like, just, I was, like, 16, like, all about it, and so I was, like, obsessed with Mike Bibby. Had a poster in my, my college dorm. That's adorable. Do you, by the way, do you think you modeled your game f off of Bibby? Um, no, not like that, Um, but, but I do, like, looking back, I'm like, okay, we're both scoring point guards. I'm probably more point guard. He's probably more scorer, like, on the spectrum, but... There's a similarity there with, with running the point and being able to score. Who's
0: the most underrated women's player? For me, it's Tina Thompson.
2: Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. She is on that underrated list. Did you you played against her, her and,
0: right? You played against her. You had yeah, against, with. Right. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, Tina Tina doesn't get the, the shine she deserves. She's so
0: good. Sure. I ended up playing in like a pickup game with her, and she was unbelievable. Oh, really? So, yeah.
2: Now, talk about range. Whew. She shoots them deep. I would say her and Katie Smith
0: are probably like two,
2: like, yep, probably like the two most decorated. Like playing against them was always a pain in the ass, and they just don't get talked about the same as who I just said. Basically, (laughs) they just don't. They have you know, but they they're right there. They deserve it.
0: So Katie Smith's story, because I'm from Ohio, is if you go to their arena. Um, they only have like four players retired. Like with all the great men's players at Ohio, at Ohio State, they make it really hard to get retired. And she's one of the four. It's uh, it's pretty cool, yeah. actually. Yeah, it's like John. She was
2: a killer in college. Yeah. She was national
1: player of the year, wasn't she?
0: she, she had to have been to get retired. Yeah, it's like her, John yeah. Lucas, and a few others at Ohio State. So. Yeah, she was a killer.
1: She was legit. All right. I think we're going to move into game time. Game
0: time, our favorite part. (laughs) Game time. So excited.
1: This is our take on Kiss, Date, Mary. But ours is bench, trade, franchise tag. See, we really mixed in all the sports there. Gotcha. Uh, No, no. Oh, no. Well, I'm going to start with these and then then if you have other ones. I'd like to play this for a while because it's really funny. To me. Okay. Uh, maybe to you too, Daryl. <laughs> and definitely to Sue. Okay. So, the, so you're part of a celebrity couple, obviously. And so assuming you don't know these celebrity couples, you're going to tell us which... We're going to give you three options, which ones you're going to bench, trade, or franchise tag, and why. Okay. You might want to write N. this down. And why. Okay. Kristen Bell and Dak Shepard. Emily Blunt... And John Krasinski,
2: I love that. A Rod
1: and J Lo,
2: yeah. Okay, franchising Emily and John, they're hilarious. I mean, I don't even think I have to say anymore. <laughs> they're amazing. <laughs> um, I will trade J Lo and A Rod, and I'll tell you why. J Lo, this is actually a very amazing story. I'm acting like I cared. Just for, this, just for this moment, um, when Megan's team won the World Cup, she got a text from another teammate like, hey, can I give your number to A-Rod? He wants to FaceTime you and say congrats. Of course. So he FaceTimes Megan and I'm kind of sitting like on the side, so I'm not in the screen. And he's like, hey, I want to say congratulations, but actually Jennifer wants to say, Jennifer's the one that wanted to, Jennifer. Jennifer's the one that <laughs> wants to talk to you. So Megan's like, okay. And then boop, JLo's face pops on the screen. And she's like, you know, saying all the wonderful things about Megan and the team and the win. And then she invites Megan to come to New York. She's like, I have a show in two days. Come to New York, be my special guest. And she's like, and part of my show is I actually bring someone on the stage and I give them like a lap dance. And so she was like, I want to bring you (laughs) on the stage and give you a lap dance. So I'm sitting like on the, you know the outside of this like this is insane like what am i witnessing and megan was like okay yeah like sure i'll try to i don't know if i'm gonna be able to make it because i've got this but yeah that's amazing thank you gets off the phone and i'm like wow you just committed you didn't even like run that by me you were just like just like already on a plane to go get a lap dance from j-lo um, no, low key. I was like, I was like, you have to do this. <laughs> do it for all of us.
0: <laughs> do it for all of us. That's so funny.
2: Yeah. Um, sadly Megan couldn't get there, but, um, yeah, so that's why they're gone. So trade you're out.
0: Can I ask a question? What could Megan, she's like, what was more important?
2: <laughs> I you want to know what it me. was? No, no. I remember yeah. she had a huge appearance on, um, huge. I mean, Uh, she was going, she was flying to DC. We were in Seattle to be on meet the press and it was like conflicting. She couldn't do both. Just like time-wise.
0: It shows, it shows her commitment.
2: I do like Dax and Kristen Bell. Yeah. So there, what's left? I forget now. I think.
0: Trade. Oh, you're. uh,
2: Bench. 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 Yeah. So I'll bench them. They're still on my team. But they're just I mean good. I'm not I'm not surprised by that
1: Emily Blunt and John Krasinski because they also had a competing uh show at the beginning of Oh Berlin. quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's got a little different shows several minutes. <laughs> yeah, little some good a little news.
0: Different. So fun fun yeah. fact, Sue, Jessica's best teammates cousin is John Krasinski. So and, oh, really? and Jessica still hasn't met him, so oh. What I mean, the heck?
2: I feel like we all grew up. Is it safe to say everybody watches or watched The Office? I mean.
0: Absolutely. And they talked so about good. the Sloan so Conference good. on The Office. It was big. Oh, really? It was big, yeah. Yeah. We'll send you the clip. It was yeah, it was, was, in was in the great. seasons no one watched. It was after, I think, Michael Scott. The left. later ones. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> still, still. Hey, still on, still on.
2: <laughs> You made it. You're still there. You're still there.
0: All right. Rule rules that we could change in basketball. You ready? Um would you add the Elam ending, which you probably know because you're MIT. That's the one where you get,
2: oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: you get close to like the, the end of the game. game. And, and Yeah, the All-Star game. Exactly. Poor, poor uh, Elam. If you go to the free throw line, you just shoot one, and you get all the points from just shooting one. Okay. And then the last one is to help you in your pull-up J game. Make all three pointers worth four and all two pointers worth three.
2: Okay. So this is, okay. So I'll go franchise tag the Elon ending. Is it N or M? M, M is At in the end. Yeah. N. Elon ending. Elon, okay. yeah. So yeah, I'll franchise that one. I like that one a lot. It's very exciting. Um, you know, I'm not that. I, the four and three pointers, like whatever. Yes, no, I could take it, I could leave it. So if that's how I feel about you, you're traded. <laughs> and then um, we'll bench the, uh, I don't even remember what
0: it was. <laughs> one, one free throw for all the points.
2: Oh, <laughs> one free throw. Yeah,
0: they do that in the G League now. Yeah.
2: So. Yeah, it's interesting. It, that's an interesting one. I was watching a college game the other day because obviously there's nothing else on TV and i like totally forgot one about one and ones they were like at the free throw line shooting a one and one i totally forgot yeah it's <laughs> like that was a thing
0: it's a really dumb rule <laughs> yeah it's like the seventh yeah. the seventh foul is one and one like it's so weird it's mm-hmm. the dumbest rule
2: they like had to and so for women's they don't have cuz we went quarters in women's college basketball
0: that's smarter so
2: it's like five fouls yeah so for watching a men's game is like truly a men's college game it's truly a throwback
0: it's also brutal. It, it feels it's so much. Ancient. It's so yeah. bad. <laughs> like it's pretty. It's uh, yeah. I'm not a big fan of college basketball. Nah, no, it's tough.
1: Well, I love the Elam ending, so I, I concur. And you, yeah. girl, you said that's like inevitable.
0: I think it's inevitable. They'll put it in overtime first, and then they'll add it right. after that. So.
2: You think like inevitable, really fast, like inevitable, like for every game.
0: Yeah, I think they'll put it in overtime in the next five years, and then it'll end up changing the ends of the game. It's just the ends of our game can be brutal, like foul, timeout, foul, timeout. It's just yeah. awful. Okay, rules
1: to borrow from other sports. Okay, Number one, substitutions, like the frequency of them, that you can't have them as much, like in soccer.
0: Oh, okay. I like, I like the reverse where you can have live subs like hockey. I
2: was going to say hockey, yeah. <laughs> All
1: right, fine. Pick whichever one you want. Just a change in how substitutions are done.
0: The secret script.
1: Gotta, I got to keep some, stuff, some stuff close to the vest. Improvise. Um, allow the coaches three challenges. So, like, as an example potentially if someone fouled out and they didn't do the foul they can at least like challenge it as a, just why answer.
0: not four jessica like four minute abs like what why are you picking to, why are you picking three
2: <laughs> no because i was three
0: <laughs> it's got to be three
2: I would, it's got to
0: be three. <laughs> where'd you go over three
2: how many does the NBA have now? Just one. We
0: have, we have one. It's embarrassing. It's sort of okay. dumb we have. It. Oh, NFL. Gotcha, yeah.
2: gotcha, 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 I
1: was thinking NFL. Like, oh, you're okay. challenging a play call or something at the end of the game. And right now, yeah, that it was more football, really. Oh, God. Basketball. Sorry, sorry. Okay. Sorry. Okay. And then the last is awarding an assist for the assist like they do in hockey.
2: Yeah. That's that's staying. That's a franchise.
0: Franchise done.
2: Tag that right away. Yeah, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> the next, I would say, huh? The challenge can probably get traded. That's too. I think that's too many. But three? Only two. Is okay. <laughs> two would be fine. Yeah, two would be fine. Yeah. Three too many. Um, the subbing is interesting because. What I'm learning with this whole soccer stuff is the one thing about not being able to sub, it truly becomes like a battle of conditioning. So it's this extra element where you can't, you can't just, and what it also does is it kind of for basketball, what it would do. And you could argue good or bad. It would weed out certain body types. It it just would, because not everybody's built to run for 40 minutes. So, like, I like the idea of having, like, an an added element of strategy. So, like, you can have, just because you brought him up earlier, he's fresh in my mind. You can have Shaquille O'Neal, who's actually probably in amazing shape when he was a player. So that's probably not the best, but you could have a player who's seven feet, but can that player play forty minutes? If they're only giving you this amount of minutes, are they as valuable? What's your strategy? So it brings this whole other element that I kind of like. So Sue, thank you
1: so much. Thank for you. Oh, my pleasure. Supporting, supporting the conference for um, ganging up on Daryl with me.
2: Uh, I'm, I'm like I mean, Switzerland over here.
1: <laughs> Neutral. It's cool. It's, it's cool. I, I appreciate you. Um, no, but seriously, I think what you've done this past year in terms of using your platform uh, to educate people and make them aware and get out the vote, it's really inspiring. So, you know, thank you for doing that. And and um, it's, it's going to be really fun to see what you decide to do whenever you do retire because you have a lot of influence ahead.
2: Cool. Thank you. Thank you, guys. It was fun. I'll see you guys April 8th and 9th for the, uh, I don't know, it's, it's actually, I think, like my seventh, maybe, Sloan Conference. Is it your seventh? It's something like that. I'd have I to do the it. math. It might be, it might be in, yeah, it's like five, six, seven, somewhere in there.
1: Post-game
2: huddle. That
1: was a really fun conversation with Sue. Here are my takeaways. Three, starting in the analytics side. First, pace of play. I love that that was the first thing she called out as a challenge. On the women's side, you had some solutions, which I hope will be
0: shared. (laughs) Challenge to our audience to solve women's analytics. The data's there. Make it so.
1: Yeah, the big the big challenge or the big opportunity is to be that translator in between. So that's exciting. we need to
0: get Kevin Pelton back to Women's Analytics. He's made the switch. Hasn't gone back.
1: Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that about that. that that's that's neat. Well, that's what Sue said. People get their start and then they end up getting the they
0: pass through. Test. I know, mm-hmm. including Sue, who's gonna pass the right to the Hall of Fame. So
1: <laughs> well, well deserved. So the second thing she said that resonated on the analytics side was she kind of had my back on the clutch thing. She's, she said that she would take her stats, and although what she did say is it could be biased because when she hits one game-winning shot, it feels like she hits 30 game-winning shots. But maybe that's how a lot of people feel, including Shaq.
0: It's your, your Bigfoot my
1: yeah, it is. My, what is it, does that mean that like I think it exists, but it doesn't?
0: I, I don't know. It just I think good. that's what
1: it means. It does, but it's it yes. is good. I'm gonna start calling things. Big
0: we'll things. just say you're clutch. You can just say you're clutch if you get enough people to say it and tweet it a lot, then it'll be true.
1: I it's more that I think it exists, and I think it could be that there are people who have the mental capacity to turn off all of the noise. And be successful. I think it clutch. exists too. Just not statistically
0: significant enough. <laughs> it's just hard to predict it, yeah.
1: Hard to predict. Fair enough.
0: Do you, who's your most clutch Kager employee?
1: Oh, God. I was like, I thought you were going to say it was my most clutch player. And I was going to say Michael Jordan, which is where the initial interest and intrigue on my end resonated.
0: Right. A shocker. Do you believe in clutch play, I'm rooting for the Bulls for your whole life. <laughs> <laughs> Shocker. Mark
1: Mark Price had some good ones, didn't he? Um, he, did.
0: he split some pick and roll. Wait, but have you sure. actually
1: analyzed players? I mean, you know it's it's not predictive. predict it's not something you can predict. Yeah, we,
0: we look at players who are good in high leverage moments we call them, the moments when um, the win probability is most imbalanced, late late in the game, close in the game, obviously. So yeah, we look at that. See,
1: I think that's where you and I are I think we're talking about different types of pressure. You could have like a waiting okay. for pre- you can have a waiting for pressure at the end of quarters at the end of shot clocks. Although Sue said mm-hmm. that sh- making a shot or shooting at the end of a shot clock was not pressure, so so not for her. Ne- She's too good. <laughs> exactly. So the next one, the next analytics concept that she tagged was the hockey assist, the assist of the assist. And so, just from an analytics perspective, I'm going to call it a playmaker uh, stat nice, and the assist to the assist, and hopefully that'll catch on pretty soon. So that was the <laughs> assist bucket. The two other things that she said that really resonated, you asked her about what was most passionate, what she's most passionate about, and the fact that she spoke about her support for Reverend Warnock, and in particular, like that she's on Zoom, making Zoom calls for him. I mean, that's really powerful. Have you made And then she's made
0: this progression. is pretty cool. Yeah.
1: Over yeah, over the course of her over her course of her career. The other thing along those lines that she mentioned, and I just love this that she was looking for help. I think this says a lot about who she is and how she tries to learn. But when the W was facing some challenges, um, you know, in that situation with the Atlanta owner, that she reached out to Chris Paul to get guidance and advice. I just. I just thought that was really indicative in, of, of who she is and how she operates. So, what about
0: you? I know Chris. Chris is smart. I think he'll reach out to Sue in the future. My guess, so I think that's coming. So,
1: I, 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 from what you've told me about him, he is incredibly impressive and certainly uh, makes uh, makes friends with people who he can learn from too. So, it's a point guard thing, I think.
0: Maybe. Yeah, you guys are the <laughs> smartest. That's for sure true. Okay, I like the J Lo stuff, all the J Lo, Lo story.
1: I have to say, probably one of the top five stories I've ever heard. Like I, <laughs> I, I, I was laughing so hard. So you were too. I was. Well, I'm really excited for our next guest, a very long time supporter of the conference, and my favorite part about Nate Silver is how he's extended analytics across so many different spheres sports obviously being one politics being another on the sports side by the way burritos
0: yeah he did the burrito burrito analytics yeah
1: it's smart anywhere there's something that you might need to make a decision on he's bringing a predictive model to it um or a statistical model anyways among other things that i love about nate silver is On 538, they actually do all the stats for the women's basketball uh,
0: tournament. So,
1: Daryl, thanks for a really fun evening.
0: It was awesome. Thank you, Oracle, Oracle Analytics, for the win on the field and in the cloud.
1: Thank you to our listeners. Hope you had fun.
0: Thank you to Lance, Jason, Maggie, and Andrew, had to endure the torture of this podcast from start to finish.
1: Thank you to the MIT Sloan students, especially Andrew Lynn and Maggie Riddle.
0: If you enjoy this podcast, please submit questions, comments, or future topic ideas to trash talking at Sloan Sports Conference.com.